Welcome to our Love to Cruise podcast from Cruising with Doris Visits, last one of Series 1. Well, next week we should have a special episode on Christmas Day. It struck me that this would be the first Christmas in my lifetime, and for many others, that there has not been a message from the Queen. I know, it's sad. But we will have one from the King. And I look forward to that. But I wanted to do something about the Queen. Well, I know what we should do. We should talk to Ken Lennox, who's always on the cruise ships as a celebrity guest. He photographed the Queen for most of her reign. Yeah, why didn't I think of that? Okay, and then for New Year's Day... Yes? ...as it is the first, number one, first of January, I thought I could interview someone who is genuinely a number one. I know. I've got just the person. Someone who's had a number one hit record and is often on cruise ships as a special guest. Ah, that's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) No idea. But not a tribute act. Don't go searching for someone who joined them after the hits or was a roadie. We need a real number one. You mean someone who has actually toured the world, met presidents, been a number one and represented Britain at Eurovision? I know just the person. Marty Christian of the New Seekers, who taught the world to sing. Gene, why didn't I think of that? I was thinking of Elton, but I'll ring him and tell him it's off. I so look forward to those special episodes over the holidays, but to close the ten episodes that make Series 1 of Love to Cruise from Cruising with Doris Visits, I have arranged a special guest. Oh, you have, have you? Yes, we have with us a magician and comedian who has played the Apollo, played all over the world, played for Stephen Hawking. Okay. But Taffy has played for royalty on the royal train, and that was in our comedy podcast earlier this series. I know, and he broke one of the Queen's forks, so he had to hide it. Yeah, it's actually a very nice story, so do check the earlier podcast. What is your plan, then? What is it? To explain the name Doris Visits. Oh, yeah, okay. That often needs explaining and is perhaps a name we have outgrown. Our guest today is Manuel Martinez who has had a hand in Doris' visits. Now you can explain that. In short, we're not critics, and so not like many cruise vloggers. We don't offer opinions. Even when we post our port guides or our ship tours, we show you what is there. The viewer can make up their own choice, as everyone's different. Exactly. That comes from us having been filmmakers for many, many years and watched critics criticise our work. We might make a film like Buller Quo, which was for Universal Pictures and starred rock legend Status Quo, which is a light comedy romp, not expected to impress the literary massive. So why would they bother to review it? It's not worth it. Some like one thing some like others. It's horses for courses. So we help show and have positive chat groups where guests can tell you what they like about their ship. Well, that sounds great. So you can say if something wasn't quite right. But the group is not where any complaints should be focused. They should always go to the ship's hotel manager and or the cruise line. So you can find the chat groups all on dorisvisits.com, their Facebook chat group. So aside from the style of our group, often known as Doris Visits, we're here for fun. We were making a TV web series for fun years ago where you won Best Actress in the We Love Soaps chart in New York. And the character you played was Doris. 
Yes, but it wasn't a travel show. No, we were making a drama. So while we cruised around the world, we thought we could film episodes in different countries to make the drama series seem big and expensive. We filmed in Norway and in Barcelona. So meet Gary, Manuel Martinez. Where did we meet Gary? Barcelona, which was one of our ports, and you were just on the lookout for anybody that that may be willing to play a small part in this episode that you were filming. Yeah, I was willing to do it. I think we then met in the bar to discuss it. Two days later, we were in the city of Barcelona with me playing Manuel Martinez, of course, as my onstage character, with a part that you had specially written for me. Well, not written for me. You'd just written it. And uh, I think we just crowbarred Manuel into it. And we did a day's filming around the city of Barcelona, which I remember was great fun. And that's how our beautiful friendship began. He was a fine, but that's why he's contracted to ships years in advance and is sadly lost to the acting industry. He is very good, but you all know him as a comedy magician, not an actor. To explain the series, the role he had was to meet me, Doris, in Barcelona and take me to a buyer. I was smuggling nanobots to a Bond-like villain and was meeting his buyer. Though Gary had to lead me around Barcelona until I could not retrace my steps. Oh, so now we're going to have a scene, are we? There was no need for this. No, all you have to do is keep quiet and follow me. Where are you from? We don't need to do this. I just need to deliver you. You deliver me. I am the one doing the delivery. Okay, deliver yourself. Where am I going? Especially you don't know where you're going, where you came from, and certainly who I am. Why? I don't know. What do you know? What I know is that you're not supposed to know where you're going, tell anyone where you came from, or where I am from. Why is this so secret? Not the touch. Madness. A completely bonkers series about a woman after revenge and wanting world domination. You have to start somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Gary is lost to acting, but a great comedian and magician. How long have you been a magician, Gary? So I've been a magician all of my life. Uh, Well, not not yet. Um, Hopefully I've got a bit longer to go. I've been into magic since I was a kid, uh, from the age of five and six, I think. Certainly I grew up watching the Paul Daniels magic show and David Copperfield. It was then that I decided that I was going to become a full-time magician. Now I'm older, um, so I've probably been professional for well over 30 years now, so... Yeah, a long time. That's a long time. But it's been a great career. Um, I've done more than just cruise ships, obviously. I've done some television and um, theatre shows, uh, corporate events all around the world. So it's been quite varied. Do you find you have to change your act as you move between different ships? Predominantly, I work for British ships. So the audience, the majority of the audience are are all from the UK. So the comedy... Um, is geared very much towards that market. If I'm working on some of the American lines where obviously the majority of the audience are from the States, then I have to change some of the terminology, some of the wording, you know, lift to elevator, uh, trousers to pants. The comedy as well has to be altered so that it's obviously relevant to them. But the tricks, 
the routines in the show would remain the same not really any changes for that apart from yeah demographic uh, obviously age sometimes dictates what i can and can't do um, if i've got a lot of routines that involve you know physical audience participation that is the volunteer coming up onto the stage uh, then i have to be mindful of the age group um, if they've got any sort of mobility issues then it it may uh, change the course of the show and i've you know i might take out a routine that involves a lot of physical interaction so that people can just pretty much remain in their seats and enjoy the show I know some comedians have problems with the late show because if children do come in, they can't do the act they've scheduled and the toned down act is not what people expected. Yeah, so the late show um, was a new format that was proposed uh, quite a few years ago now, particularly with one of the lines that I work for predominantly. You know, they wanted a more uh, hard-hitting show just for adults. It was made clear that that show would be advertised you know for over 18s uh, children would be discouraged from coming so there wouldn't be any family audiences present although you sometimes get kids creeping in there's enough disclaimers uh, to make it clear that you know the comedy is going to be uh, more adult content i never thought your show was blue it is very suggestive and clever do you ever do blue material? I'm not what would be considered a blue comic. I, I certainly don't do jokes or gags that relate to anything sort of sexual. It's not really my style and, you know, I would I would be uncomfortable doing it. So for me, uh, my angle was just to ramp up some of the language that I used and the content of the show visually was more adult, you know, a lot more sort of innuendo. You know, it, it hit the mark. It, it, it did enough to be classed as a show that would not be suitable for children to come to. Do you like doing the adult show? And to be honest, it's one of the shows I probably enjoy the most because, you know, the, the shackles are off. Pretty much allowed to say whatever I want. There are, you know, reasonably no limits uh, to the material and where I can go. So it gives you a great sense of freedom on stage. And certainly with my act, which is very spontaneous and I, I you know I ad lib a lot and you know in the family shows you know I have to do a lot of self-editing uh, on the go that I don't say the wrong thing or uh, anything that's too offensive but in the late show that's gone um, so I really enjoy doing those. Do you prefer the club or the theatre to perform in? So for me, uh, I've always been happiest on a large stage. That's pretty much how I started out. I was lucky enough early in my career to be working on theatre stages. That's really what I concentrate on. I'm able to do close-up magic. I can perform to small groups of people, table hopping, as they call it in the industry. That's where the magician moves from table to table or or small group to small group, uh, entertaining with um, magic up close and personal but it's not really my passion I prefer to be on the stage uh, doing much bigger effects and involving you know the whole audience if I have a choice yeah I'll always take the theatre I feel that that's where I you know can deliver my best show he is a natural performer a sexy European I remember he's supposed to protect me no, I'm supposed to lead you around Barcelona until you get lost and confused, and then take you to the place. I was expecting a sexy European. 
I am a sexy European. Actor, comedian and magician. Gary, are you a member of the Magic Circle? So yes, I'm a member of the Magic Circle. I've been a member since I was 18, uh, which was the earliest you could join. How do you get in? To get in is quite difficult. Uh, it's the most prestigious magic society in the world and it's the club that all magicians aspire to belong to. You have to be put forward by two existing members that have to know you and then there is an exam that you have to take which is a practical demonstration of your magical skill. So you have to do certain sleight of hand tricks to demonstrate that you 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 know you've put the hours in and the work so it's certainly not a society for beginners so they want to see that you have studied uh, the art of magic uh, providing you're good enough uh, then you're in and you become a member are there grades you join and then what then you can work your way through the society there are various degrees top one is to become a member a full member of the inner magic circle of which i am this is something that is awarded to you by the president um, they sit down uh, with the council of the magic circle you know dumbledore merlin gandalf <laughs> no it's nothing like that they sit down and they decide on which magician they feel is worthy of the honor of being made a member of the inner magic circle and they look for magicians that have done something that has promoted or advanced the art of magic how did you get yours they started a competition called the stage magician of the year it was the magic circles bid to find yeah the best stage magician in the society I entered it the second time they held it. Uh, the first winner was a magician called Scott Penrose, a very good magician, um, very classical, silent magician, uh, works with doves, very nice act. Uh, Scott won it the first year. I then entered it two years later, and I was lucky enough to win. And off the back of that, becoming the stage magician of the year, I was then approached um, with membership of the Inner Magic Circle by the then current president, who was uh, a very nice man uh, called Alan Shaxton. Um, sadly, Alan's no longer with us, uh, but he was the, the president in office uh, when I performed um, my, my act, which is very different to the act that I do on the ships, by the way. Uh, in those days, it was a very classical, silent act. Uh, now, of course, I don't really do an awful lot of magic in the show, as you know, Stuart. That's uh, a lot of comedy and chat. More from Gary in a moment. But David is impatiently bobbing around. Which means it's time for our tech tip. David, we have Manuel Martinez with us. I know him. He works on the cruise ships. David. Hi, Gary. Hi, David. That's his real name, you know. I know it's my real name. I've had it for a very long time now. So why do you call yourself Manuel Martinez? Do you want to be a football manager? No, David. It's because Manuel is from Cuba. Well, Havana in Cuba. David, it's our show. Thank you. I thought it was a show about me and my technical tips and my comedy. And you filled it with a, a few cruise bits. No, no, David. I think you got the wrong idea. You do a technical tip. Gary's the guest. Oh. Do you have a technical tip, David? OK. When we're at sea, if we aren't using the ship's Wi-Fi, we always put our phones into aeroplane mode to avoid connecting to the expensive maritime service. But when we arrive in port, sometimes we wonder if this new destination is included in our phone service provider's roaming data plan. So what we do is we switch off the aeroplane mode, putting the phone back into normal function. Except that 
we make sure that mobile data is still switched off on our phone. And that allows us to receive a text message, but not connect to expensive data, just in case. Eventually, a text message arrives, welcoming us to the new country and telling us how much calls, texts and data will cost from here. Hopefully, it'll tell us that it's free. If it is free, we switch on the mobile data function. But if not, we switch everything back into aeroplane mode. And then we look for some free Wi-Fi in port. So, Manuel, Gary, thanks for coming on my show. I've heard you've played live at the Apollo. So with the success of the Starmus performances, I was then approached by Professor Brian Cox. Uh, He uh, puts together a show every year or so at the Apollo Hammersmith uh, to raise money for a charity that he's connected with. So he asked me, you know, would you come along and be part of the of the bill uh, as a comedian? So there I was live at the Apollo, uh, sharing the stage with Dara O'Brien, Joe Brand and Stuart Lee, who are, you know, pretty big names in the world of comedy. In fact, I think I was the only one that the audience uh, didn't know. But I held my own. I did a good show. It went down a storm. Uh, I involved uh, Professor Jim Al-Khalili, who is a scientist, a a quantum physicist and broadcaster. So he's great fun. I've actually roped him into several things throughout the years now. During lockdown, you started to develop some magic that could be done via the internet. So this is magic that can be performed over a video platform connection where you interact with that member of the of the audience live. So the magic is really strong because it's happening potentially thousands of miles away. In fact, that's such an interesting subject that I actually featured it in a TED's talk. So I did a TED's talk as David Zambuka all about the rise of virtual magic. I think it was called something like the uh, the rebirth of virtual magic in a post-pandemic world. Just made it sound a little bit more academic, but basically it's just talking about doing magic on a computer. Will there be more Apollo or more of that new character, David Zambuka? The uh, the Apollo show was, was a, a, yeah, just an, another great experience. So um, David Zambuka has now firmly become a real fixture in my performance calendar. Let's get back to the cruise ships because we are getting more magicians and illusionists. So, yes, there's been an increase in the use of magicians and magic on cruise ships over the last so three to four years, I'd say. There are two roles the fly-on, fly-off guest act magicians like myself. So that means I fly out to the ship, I do my show, and then I go home. But there's also um, scope for resident magicians. Certainly P&O are using these uh, more regularly now. So that's a magician that would stay on board maybe for more than just the one cruise and would be working in a close-up environment that that means to say that he or she would be walking around the ship entertaining passengers in small groups you know whilst they're sitting having a drink in the bar or maybe waiting to go in for dinner and then that magician also follows up later on in the week with a matinee performance in the cabaret lounge bar so a a proper stand-up stage show that's becoming more and more popular now with with other lines as well Uh, this is aside of course from any resident illusion duo that the companies may hire, which are the magicians with all the big toys, all the big stuff, uh, sawing each other in half and making each other float up and down in the air, pushing spikes through. Those those props being, of course, a lot bigger and a lot heavier are, are often um, 
shipped out to the ship ahead of time and, and then kept on board and those 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 acts then stay on board for you know a run of say maybe six weeks uh, just to uh, help keep the costs down for, for travel with all that equipment. Not many people understand magic or how it works to an audience, not least to a cruise audience, which is different. So you've started an agency to help get the right magicians onto the ships doing the right material, which is important. The Ministry of Magic. Tell us about that. I've been approached by someone with a view to helping source magicians, magic acts for cruise ships specifically. So it's something that I kind of started putting together. Then COVID happened. And then after COVID, I was then approached by the same person again to say, you know, did you remember that conversation we had about finding magicians? I said, yes, I did. Uh, Would you still be interested? I said, no, I'm not. Uh, And I walked away and I thought, you know what? Actually, maybe it does make sense for me now at this time in my career. I have a lot of experience, a wealth of knowledge. I've been in the cruise industry for over 30 years. So maybe, you know, maybe I can try and do something. So I decided that I would start an entertainment agency, but I would only concentrate on magic. It would be dedicated to magic. And I wanted that to be known right from the start, which is why the branding of it and the name of it, the Ministry of Magic, it it does what it says on the tin. So I'm not interested in helping bands, singers, impressionists. There's a little crossover with comedy, um, being that um, there are a lot of comedy magicians, but certainly anything else outside of magic, I wasn't really interested in. So yeah, the Ministry of Magic was born. Um, It launched uh, in early 2022. And took on a few magicians. I was looking for sort of young, relatively inexperienced magicians, really, who I knew I could sort of help shape and mould and become effectively replacements for, for acts like me, you know, when I finally do move on and hang up my magic wand. So I've got a variety of, of acts, old and new now, a lot of experienced acts as well on the books. And yeah, we're doing really well. I mean, I'm running it pretty much on my own, but I've got a lot of contacts, a lot of people in the industry that trust me. So I've managed to really make it work. Yeah, very exciting for the future and hopefully something that will grow. We should have had some magic in that series, Shades of Bad. You use Gary and his magic in your books. Yes, I have. I've written six cruise thrillers. They are action novels, like a sort of a Dan Brown type read. So you feel you're in the story, in the movie. And because they happen on the ships, you get to meet the acts. And Gary was at first a character I invented, a magician called Paul Lopke. And then I told him about it and asked him if I could use his name. And he agreed. So in Cruise Traffic which is about human trafficking on cruise ships. Made up story. The best kind. In cruise traffic, they save a group of women from being sold by a magic trick, an illusion that Manuel Martinez designs. And it makes the women disappear just as they are being sent to be sold. And they don't know they're being sold and they don't know they've disappeared. He's a good magician. Member of the inner circle. And a good actor we used in Barcelona. But then he followed you back onto the ship. Because he had fallen madly in love with Doris. I know. I have to deal with Doris's fan mail. (laughs) I'm not Doris. And there she stands, a vision of loveliness. Goodness, I got away from that idiot in Barcelona. I mean, what was dreadful? 
thinking of? I know exactly how to approach a woman like this. Putting me in touch with a stupid person like that. He's not a person to do business with. When she sips this glass of champagne with me, she's going to fall hopelessly in love with me. We are going to travel the world together. Well, at least I don't have to ever see him again. In this setting here, me and her, this cannot fail. That's it. Never again in my life do I have to lay eyes on that idiot. She'll sip the champagne and fall into my arms. Never have to lay eyes on him again in my life. So how am I going to do this? I'll dig out that old series and put it on YouTube again. It is the final episode that Gary's in, episode seven of the TV length ones. Gary, before you go, who's the most famous person you've met on a cruise ship? Apart from Doris, of course. So probably the biggest name that was travelling on a ship that I was performing on was Professor Stephen Hawking. Um, I joined the ship to be told that Professor Hawking was on. I didn't believe it. I thought, there's no way. What's he doing on here? Apparently, Stephen used to travel on cruise ships because he wasn't permitted to fly because of his condition. So he used ships to get around and he was on his way to a a festival that he co-founded and ran with Brian May from Queen, Peter Gabriel. And they put this festival together to celebrate science and music. It was called Starmus, predominantly to do with um, space. So there were lots of uh, delegates there from NASA and Professor Brian Cox was one of the speakers. They had Neil Armstrong at one of their early ones, um, Buzz Aldrin. So we're talking, you know, big names from the world of, of space and music, of course. I tried really hard to get to meet Stephen. It wasn't easy. Um, I then managed to somehow goad him into coming to one of my workshops on board, which he did, which uh, absolutely blew me away that there I was demonstrating uh, how to do a car trick and in comes uh, Professor Stephen Hawking, probably the cleverest man in the universe. And I'm talking to him like a child. Anyway, he loved it. He loved the humour. Uh, he then invited me to dinner in the Epicurean, which I attended. And uh, about a week later, I had an email from Cambridge University uh, via his office asking if I would like to attend this festival that he runs with a view to performing. He wanted me to put together a presentation that was to do with his work, uh, which revolved around black holes so I had to prepare and plan exactly what I was going to do I knew that I wasn't going to be taking the Manuel Martinez show so I put something together that was created from a character that I'd successfully run on a previous television series that I was involved in so it's kind of like a combination of that Darren Brown and Alan Partridge a quantum mind reader by the name of David Zambuka so that's who they got it caused a big storm. They absolutely loved it. They'd never had any comedy at this festival before. They weren't quite prepared for someone like me, I don't think. And because Stephen played along, uh, we had a joke that that, that I sort of wrote with him uh, that he was involved in, which brought the house down. And then I've just come back from doing it a third time. So I flew out to Armenia just uh, a few weeks ago, where I did probably the biggest and the best Starmus festival they've ever had and that was incredible with Brian May playing live uh, with video footage of Freddie Mercury singing along and it was a pretty awesome show to be involved in so I think for my presentation there were close to 5,000 people 
I did a joke in Armenian. Big thanks to Gary, who is on a ship almost every week of the year. We have a busy year next year. I know. Our agent would like to keep us working every week. But we have grandchildren. However, we know we'll be back with P&O. In Brazil. Uh, and on the Azura in Greece. The Adriatic. And on the Iona and the Arvia. So come and see us and say hi if we're on your ship. And I'll be doing some contractual book signings, which is nice because I get to meet people one to one. Cruise Ship Heist is available as a free audiobook on YouTube. Go to dorisvisits.com for the index to our port guides, ship tours, podcasts and a cruise book at bedtime. Next week, it's Christmas with Ken Lennox. But first, here is episode 10 of A Cruise Ship Heist. Chapter 10. Ecological Considerations Georgie, a female officer in white, shouts as she downs the gangway that we left minutes earlier. She has such a beautiful smile, it makes me instantly consider my need to improve my social skills. My two partners just have cards. Mine is inside a concertinaed ship's map with my cabin number on. A dangerous reveal if the anonymous card were lost with it. A bit like putting home in your car sat-nav. At three o'clock, please come to reception for lifeboat trail and to register your credit card. So you can purchase items on board, the officer says. I collect my cases. Ronnie jumps in front. I should make sure my painters deal with their tools and paint properly. Eco considerations here in Costa Rica are huge, she offers, now blocking the gangway. That's bigging your part up, I suggest. But I'm speaking to be noticed by the very pretty officer. She smiles at me in a way that makes me melt. I'm guessing she's Malaysian, though I've no idea why I think that. What a day. A collection of stunning women, and I've not even jumped on the rum bus. I find myself looking to see if she's wearing a wedding ring. I am human after all. I am determined to engage, rather than to retreat as I did before. Oh no, a wedding ring. Costa Rica is one of the greatest biological diversities in the world, and very safe. It abolished all its armed services, Ronnie throws back as she climbs up. I'd forgotten she was still there. I was in a trance. Oh yeah, and how's that working out for them? I shout up. I notice Ronnie isn't wearing a wedding ring, but she's on a mission and doesn't turn until she's at the top of the gangway. They now spend that money on social, medical and educational needs. Sounds like something a politician would say, I tease. It won them a Nobel Peace Prize. I grin, but Ronnie has left, and Georgie is nudging me to climb the gangway. I walk up, entering a new phase in my life that I couldn't have predicted. Please stand here, sir. I need a picture, the officer says at the entrance. He holds a mini internet-type camera on a cable attached to his computer. I offer the smallest of smiles, more than for a passport. My picture is taken, and he nods, allowing me aboard. I place my case on the x-ray machine belt, and Georgie, who is now relaxed and smiling, does the same with her own case. Did the officer say to be at reception for three o'clock? Lifeboat drill, Georgie explains. I do it too. It only takes a few minutes. I was hoping to grab a reggae bus and go out for the day, 
I say walking through the body scanner. Not today, Georgie smiles. But there's always another reggae bus. See you at the drill. She leaves. I feel alone and used. Next episode is Christmas Day 2022 with Ken Lennox, photographer of the Queen for most of her reign and regular cruise ship celebrity guest. We talk with him on his boat. See you on Christmas Day. And have a great one.